Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher. Today we're going to be speaking about relationships. We're going to be looking at Jesus' teaching on what God intends for our closest relationship. So that's where we're going with this. You know, there's many questions and issues we have about relationships. I was thinking about this, that, you know, relationships give us the greatest joy and they also can give us the greatest pain. You know, relationships can be so fulfilling and life-giving or they can be devastating and, and wound us deeply. So... Yeah, Jesus spoke about relationships a lot. In fact, there are many, many questions that we will have about relationships that Jesus doesn't specifically teach on. But that doesn't necessarily say that there are no answers in the scripture in regard to whatever we have questions about. In fact, generally speaking, there's many, many things that Jesus never discussed. He never discussed things like, should I get a COVID vaccination? Should I marry this particular person? Never discussed. It was never a question 2,000 years ago. Is same-sex marriage okay before God? Never even a question in people's minds. Was never, ever discussed. Can I cohabit before I marry? We all know countless people who live together, have children, never marry, or marry after 10 years. Nobody ever comes up to Jesus and asks these questions. It just was not on people's minds. It was 2,000 years ago. It was a patriarchal culture. The girls were married off at puberty. It really, many things were not questioned. Black Lives Matter, the melting of the ice polar caps, you know, I mean, all these these things are, are never addressed directly. However, Jesus does teach principles, and his principles and his wisdom last for thousands and thousands of years. And I think it's fair to say that in 500 years from 500 years from now whatever people are asking the wisdom of Jesus will bear guidance for the, for for our future people's questions yeah they'll be answered because it's the way that the scripture is set up it is inspired meaning it's god breathed it's there's something about the scripture that lasts through every generation speaks to every generation. So we're always drawing out principles. We're always drawing out the wisdom and the principles of Jesus. And uh, today we have a text that actually, upon first reading, sounds like it's a passage about divorce because the text begins with some religious leaders came to test Jesus and ask him, is divorce legal and they're thinking legal not in the terms of civic law they're thinking in terms of is divorce okay before God because remember in Jesus day it was God's law that they were 
primarily concerned about. So upon first reading of this text, it's in Mark 10, it's a New Testament passage, you think that it's actually about, oh, this is going to be a talk about divorce. It's actually not about divorce. Uh, in fact, what Jesus does is, he's, is he uses the question to discuss a far broader understanding of what God intends for our relationships. And he goes way, way back to Genesis. So it's really interesting that when you look at the context of a passage, and the first line of this passage is, some religious leaders came to test Jesus. So we know from that first line, this isn't a, a, some couple that are worried about their relationship coming to Jesus and asking for his advice. The people who came are against Jesus. Yes, he did have a lot of opposition. Yes, he did have enemies. Yes, they were often trying to trap him. And so on this particular day, they come with a question, so is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus uses that question as a jumping off, a jumping off point to discuss God's intention for relationships in general. Now, it is, you know, good, strong, nurturing relationships. We all want that, don't we? And we know from experience that good, strong, nurturing relationships are not just dropped on our laps. So if you are fortunate enough to be happily married or you're in a long-term partnership, you know that that's taken commitment, it's taken work. And I'm not even talking about necessarily a marriage here, you could, if you've got a long-term friendship, that's taken some commitment and that's taken some work, hasn't it? It doesn't just happen, right? In fact, all relationships take time, they take commitment, they take unselfishness, they take a generosity in a way, don't they? You're always giving people the benefit of the doubt and second chances. And Well, Jesus reminds us this morning that from the beginning of time, God has designed us to be people that need people. In other words, we're social creatures, right? This is how we evolved. We've always been, we survive in groups. <laughs> we survive in communities from the very beginning, we're designed to be social creatures. We're social people. But, in other words, people need people. But that doesn't necessarily mean relationships come easily to us. Harmony in relationship doesn't necessarily come easily to us. Actually, harmony in relationship with ourself doesn't necessarily come easily to many of us, does it? So Jesus spends a lot of time teaching on relationships. In fact, it's fascinating to me that by the third chapter of Genesis, so if our first book of the Bible is Genesis, by the third chapter of the book, 
Adam and Eve are at odds against each other. So from the very beginning, the ancient writers knew through the guidance of God, right? The living in harmony, it is not easy. Adam and Eve are starting their power plays by chapter three. Yeah, so from chapter three, there's a lot of power plays going on, a lot of blaming going on by chapter three as well. Not my fault, it's his fault. So, yeah, it's not easy to build a, a, a good, long-term, life-giving relationship. It does take work, and Jesus would say this is true, but it is God's intention that you would have this. From the beginning, it always was and always will be God's intention that we are well loved. Now, it just struck me upon this reading of Mark 10 that, um, and, and especially when Jesus went back to, to Genesis, that whole idea of God's intention that we're well loved. I think it's important that we know that. It's important that we know what God's best for us is. And the reason that that's important is, is because when you're going through a rough patch or when you're wondering about a relationship or maybe you're in a conflict, you know, you can remember that. It's a good thing to remember when you're praying and when you're thinking about things. You know, it's God's intention that we live in harmony. It's God's intention that we're well loved. This is what God desires for me. Now, before we can be, or before we can receive love, we need to know what it is. I know this seems like an odd thing to say, but when you think about it, there are so many people who marry or partner or live with and have children with people who are unloving, untrustworthy, and uncommitted, right? We know this. We, we look out and we see people who are obviously not in loving, trustworthy, committed relationships. And, of course, this causes much suffering not only to the people in the relationship, but also the children and also the extended family. Everyone, every one of us knows someone who is suffering in a relationship because that person is in a relationship with someone who is not consistently loving, trustworthy, nor committed. So the fact that we... Uh, are made or built to receive love doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily follow that we all find this and it's all very easy and yeah, we can find, you know, people to live in harmony with and no, no, it's not that easy. So Jesus has a lot of teaching on this subject, but let me get to the passage because it's taken too long here. Here's the passage, it's Mark 10. Some Pharisees came to test him. The word test is very important because you know that it's somebody looking for an argument. It's someone who is 
picking a fight. Is it lawful? Hey, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, it's not a legitimate question. Remember, they're trying to test him. Now, the background is to this text is, is that in those days, 2,000 years ago, everyone agreed it was legal before God. That was really not the issue. Ancient Jewish males could divorce their wives. The controversy was under what conditions. Now, you'll notice that I'm talking about men divorcing their wives. 2,000 years ago, it's a man's world. It's the males that initiate divorce. Now, for our 21st century Western ears, we might think, well, that's not fair. How come, why is it the men that get to choose the divorce and no, well, it's not fair, but this is the way it was in Jesus' day. Males had the money. Males had the property. Males received the inheritance. Males owned the land. Males had, you know, their heirs. They passed their heirs on to their, their sons. Males had the education. What did a woman get? Well, if she was really fortunate, she got a good husband who would provide for her. So, no, it's not fair, but this is the culture that we are, we're speaking about in this text. So back to the question, can a man divorce his wife? Jesus said, okay, what did Moses tell you? What did one of your ancient teachers, your ancient patriarchs, one of the ancient patriarchs of Judaism, what did he, what did he tell you? Well, Moses said we could. In other words, Moses said, yeah, it's fine, we could divorce our wives. And Jesus said, Yes. He did, because of your hard-heartedness, as a concession, so that the woman could at least have a chance of remarrying and possibly surviving. But that was never, ever God's intention. It was never God's intention, men, that you would marry, get tired of her, dump her, divorce her, move on to the next one. Get tired of her, divorce her, move on to the next one. That was never, ever God's intention. Now remember, in those days, there's no, there's no shelters, there's no agencies, there's no food stamps. If her father wouldn't take her back, there's not a lot of choices for a woman. As is the case, by the way, for millions of other, millions of women today, right? This hasn't just happened 2,000 years ago. There's many countries that this is the same, the same plight. Now, you know that Jesus is not one to accept oppressive systems. We see this pattern. Always important to notice patterns. We see this pattern time and time and time again. He is always going to side with the underdog. He always does. In those days called the, the poor, the blind, the lame, the lepers, he's always going to side with the one who is being trampled on. This is the way Jesus is. Teacher, is it legal for me to divorce my wife? He refuses to discuss divorce. Instead, he goes back to Genesis and he says to the religious leaders who oppose him, what God has joined together, 
let no one separate. Now, you might have heard that line if, you, if you've ever been a part of a traditional wedding. This line's used a lot. You know, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Okay, it's basically what God's joined, this is for life. What God has joined together, Jesus said, no one should be thinking about separating it. It's like Pharisees, religious leaders. You're asking me how to get out of a relationship? That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. Before you even enter the relationship, before you even enter it, you should be thinking about the fact that this is a permanent commitment. Now, that was so far from the, from the men of Jesus' day's mind, the Pharisees that were asking this question, the religious leaders. They're not going in thinking this is a, a permanent commitment. They're going in thinking, well, if she pleases me, then I'll keep her, and if she doesn't, then she's out. So Jesus doesn't even discuss divorce at any great level. He says, well, God has joined together, let no one separate. So what we would call, this is a relationship that needs to be built on love, trust, and commitment, not finding a way out of it. Now, there's other adjectives you could use to describe a good relationship. You wouldn't necessarily have to choose these three, love, trust, and commitment. You could use words like respect is the mark of love. Mutual dependency is the mark of love. Dignity is the mark of love. Protection is the mark of love. Whatever words you use, uh, you know, I like love, trust, and commitment because they're, they're simple, they're straightforward. And when I speak about love being the basis of a relationship, I'm not necessarily talking about feeling loving all the time. I'm talking about the word in the biblical understanding of the word, which is more of a, it's more, it's, well, it's more agape, which is like God's love for us. It's more of a, a choice. I'm not saying that feelings of love aren't terribly important. They are, and affection is awfully important. We need these things to keep us going. But uh, the love has to be stronger than just affection when I, I feel like it. What if you go through a period of six months where you're, you're off? You know, you don't really feel like loving. Well, yeah, it's got to be a tougher love than just uh, this emotional thing that, that comes and goes. Jesus would say, when you enter into a relationship, and we're talking about a life partner here, when you enter into a relationship, what God has joined, let no one separate. It's God's intention that you are loved well and that you are loved well for life. From the beginning, God's intention was we would be loved well. Not worrying about, was this person going to leave or how long is this going to last? Or is this person faithful or are they not? Well, yeah, kind of. Sometimes they're trustworthy. No. Love, trust, and commitment. There can't be any compromise on that kind of foundation. You know, Jesus, one of the things he said that is 
really helpful is that when all is said and done, if you want to simplify everything, you have to learn how to love God, love people, and love yourself. Now, generally speaking, people don't do very well loving themselves. So if you've been around church or you've heard a lot of church talks or, you know, you've heard sermons and talks on loving God and you've heard a lot of talks on loving other people. But there's a strong possibility you haven't heard too much on loving yourself. Although it's one of the three things that Jesus said, you know, it's one of the great three, the great three teachings. You have to learn how to love God. You have to learn how to love people. You have to learn how to love yourself. Many people haven't given much thought to how to love yourself. And I think it's fair to say you have to learn how to love yourself enough to enter into a loving, trusting, committed relationship. You have to learn how to, and love yourself, by the way, it's like learning how to be a friend to yourself. You have to learn how to be a friend to yourself. Why do people stay in miserable, horrible relationships? Uh, One of the reasons is is because they've never really learned how to be a friend to themselves. They've never learned how to love themselves. They never ask themselves the question, you know, am I being treated well? Am I being cared for? Am I being considered? Relationships work both ways. Not just in a marriage, by the way. Relationships in general, there needs to be give and take, isn't there? But the mighty three, commitment, trust, and love, such a solid foundation there. And it's a good reminder of God's intention for us, whether we're partnered or single or whether we've lost a spouse. It doesn't really matter where we're coming from. It's like God's desire, God's best for us is, you no, know, if God were to speak, <laughs> it would be, I want the very best for you. I want the very best for you. Yeah, the mighty three. It's the foundation for all good relationships. Certainly a marriage, certainly a life partner, but for other things too. I mean, try entering a business relationship where there's no trust. What a mess, right? Try dating someone and you're really not sure that they're particularly committed to you. What a mess that's going to be, right? So it's like love yourself enough to not settle for anything less than the mighty three. Commitment, trust, and love. And it's not enough that, well, yeah, you know, she's, she's mostly trustworthy or, or he, he's mostly committed. I mean, I can trust him most of the time, I mean, sometimes not so much because, well, no, no. There's no compromise in any of these areas because that's the foundation of the relationship. And God is leading us 
and directing us and desiring the very, very best for us. So if you're praying about a relationship, if you're praying about a sense of direction, this is the way that you're going to be led. And God will use people to lead you and books and teachings and a sense of, uh, well, I suppose it's a sense of inner guidance. That's important too. God uses all sorts of ways to guide us. But you will always be led in this one way. You'll know it's God when it leads to this good, solid, respectful, protecting, loving, committed relationship. It's always this, that's always the direction. You're never going to be directed to stay in a relationship that is absolutely dragging you down and has is giving you no life at all and is making you absolutely miserable. Why would God want that for you? Why would your loving, heavenly Father desire that for you, the beloved child? That makes no sense at all. It makes no sense. God is always leading us toward wholeness. Now, we all need so many different things in relationship, don't we? Some of us might need healing from a broken relationship. Some of us might need guidance or strength for a relationship that's difficult. We might, some of us might need wisdom in what direction we should take. Some of us need understanding in a confused relationship. We might need comfort because we just lost a relationship. Or we might need courage because we have to make massively big changes that we don't even know that we can do in our own strength. Some of us might need patience. We all need different things. But wherever we are in our relationships, I think it's good to know that God's for us. God's for us. God's not against us. And God leads us in ways that move us toward restoration and healing of various kinds. Yeah, I just, I, I just was struck, you know, from that Genesis line. What God has joined, like no one separate. And I was just struck with it, just in the sense of the fact that, that God wants good for us. God wants stability for us. God desires committed people around us, loving people, trusting people. And that's the way that the Spirit will lead. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.